Today on The Future of Fandom, we bank for humans. You're a human, right? Well, then you're going to love this. My name's Adam Connor. I'm your host. And on this episode, we explore how Dave is creating an ecosystem for and inspired by those facing economic hardship through the lens of their CMO, Michael Goodbody. Ever notice how most fintechs or financial apps you see gain popularity target investing and other actions frequented by high earners or high net worth individuals? Well, guess what? Most people aren't in that position, and the team at Dave noticed. It inspired Michael to join and build a community to serve a different set of needs. It also brings up interesting brand questions like, how do you create an enthusiastic community around financial topics which people don't love to talk about? How, even if you empower them to better their finances, do you retain that base? Michael's got great insight here, and I think it deserves more attention. So let's be humans together and predict the future with Dave and Michael Goodbody. Michael, how are you? Thank you for joining me. I'm great. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I appreciate you taking the time to speak with me here. I'm super curious about a few things around how you build community uh, in your corner of the fintech world. But uh, before we get into the nitty gritty, I just want to know what about Dave specifically compelled you to join their ranks? And and also, we should probably tell the folks what the heck Dave is, but I would love to know um, more about both of those things. Yeah, absolutely. Um, You know, for anyone that sort of isn't familiar specifically you know, with Dave, uh, you know, we are a, a, a sort of financial services, um, you know, an app-first financial services product, uh, you know, founded in 2017, 2018, so four or five years old. Um, and, you know, we really started out uh, in the sort of financial services ecosystem by offering people, you know, a way to avoid overdraft fees by, you know, effectively closing that gap in terms of, you know, short-term credit, if somebody needs, you know, up to, you know, in terms of the original time that we, we launched the up to $75, um, you know, in an emergency. And so from my personal perspective, you know, Dave, Dave's, uh, again, been around for three or four years, but really sort of came on strong in, in the ecosystem a few years ago. And I think anyone that was in fintech uh, took a lot of, um, you know, financial technology, for those that don't know, that's the sort of shorthand for fintech. But um, for anyone um, that was in the space a few years ago, like Dave just came out of nowhere with a, a really interesting value prop, really interesting and different way of, uh, of, taking, of thinking about brand and thinking about relationship with the consumer from a financial services perspective. And so it's always been really heavily on my mind as somebody that's been in this space for a while as a brand and as a, as a company that's just pushing the edges of things. And so when, when sort of the opportunity came up, for me, it was a, a sort of no-brainer because of the sort of heritage they'd already built in that three or four years that they've been around, but also, you know, their willingness to sort of push the boundaries to do something different. And so for me, it's a, it's a combination of, of that, a combination of the fact that they have, you know, a really significant data advantage within the financial services space and we can sort of we can talk to that but also just from a brand and marketing perspective it's just heavily differentiated and just a really interesting challenge to solve with the consumer but also you know they're solving it in a really interesting way so it was super interesting to me as a challenge and, and as an opportunity the opportunity is where i want to go here because you're specifically creating a community and serving well humans as it says right on the front right. page of dave.com but in the fintech landscape, and let's call a spade a spade here, 
most of the services that we see, or at least that I see, are catered to young, uh, high net worth, or, or Henry, high earners, not rich yet, uh, types of folks, people who can spend money, invest, um, yeah. not typically the community that is first thinking, uh, how am I going to uh, pay for XYZ when my paycheck doesn't come in until Friday? And so that obviously is one thing that you do a little bit differently in terms of who you target. Yep. But I guess my first question is, why don't more people focus on the type of people that Dave does? And maybe within that, you can help us elaborate on how you differentiate. But I noticed that right off the bat. Yep. And um, it's good. Yeah, I mean, I think the I think that the, the assumption, and, and certainly when, when fintech, you know, first started coming around, you know, four, five, six, seven years ago. Um, and it was really sort of, I think that the origination of, of sort of fintech in its first um, instant was, you know, in, coming out of the financial crisis. And it was it was more of a trust thing opportunity for, for technology companies to come in and play a role in financial services than it was, you know, maybe about sort of like mass market opportunity. It was just sort of, you know, there were a large set of consumers that had lost trust in existing financial services brands. And so there was this opportunity for like new entrants to come in and, and win. But in that and in that moment, I think everyone, um, you know, globally in the US, obviously you can probably tell, you know, I'm from the UK, so there's a lot of that, um, that, that sort of heritage in terms of how I think about things as well. But everyone kind of came in and was like, okay, you know, we're going to solve problems for people at the higher end of the sort of income spectrum, at the higher end of the credit spectrum. And because I think, you know, the assumption there is that they are, you know, I guess, you know, a more profitable customer base if you're trying to build a new business. But what is really important to understand when you think about how fintech has taken off in the US is that it, it really isn't, um, there isn't the same level of problem to solve for people who are, to your point, like high income, high earning uh, high net worth. It's it's you know if you are if you have a good income if you have you know uh, high net worth if you have good credit in America you're okay. There's plenty of great opportunities out there for you and this and most of the big even you know what, what I consider to be Main Street banks do a really pretty good job at servicing that user base. But it's really if you're in that kind of you know lower income high paycheck to paycheck uh, lower credit. Um, cohort, which, you know, the majority of Americans are, um, that the financial system actually tends to give you really a really poor product experience. So, you know, I remember when I first moved over to, to the UK, like uh, from the UK seven or eight years ago, and I, I went and sort of opened an account with a high street bank, uh, main street bank. And, you know, the, one of the things that really struck me was that it was fee-free provided I had more than $2,000 in my checking account at any given time. And if I didn't, I had to pay a maintenance fee and I had to pay overdraft fees and all this sort of stuff. And, and it struck me as this, even then it struck me as very strange that, you know, if I have less money, I pay more fees, but that's the way that the system is built here. And so, you know, when you look at fintech, most of the companies actually that, that have sort of seen come to scale in the last three or four years have really done so by solving problems for the sort of lower income paycheck to paycheck, high, you know, lower credit score users rather than for the high credit score users. I think there was some early entrance into that space that did really well there, continue to build a brand there. But recently it's much been, been much more about how do you solve problems? How do you give a great product to, you know, people that are constantly being hit by, you know, fees and poor experiences 
um, because, you know, there's a lot more friction in their experience. And so there's a lot more opportunities to sort of convince them to shift over than there are with sort of higher income you know, banking experiences. Yeah, I immediately think uh, growing up, obviously, you know, even 10 years ago, there weren't more apps out there in, in even the fintech world that could access any audience. But I think about this world of, you know, lower income where these financial hardships are a real problem. And I think about like predatory payday loans, like you go, they, they were physical locations. And they were always built in low income areas. And it just didn't carry the well experience that yeah. you are hoping to to grow and to have people thrive yeah. in. And I find it incredibly important that those exist because like, it's just, it's fair. It's, it's, it's equity. It's, it's access to that sort of experience. I, I feel very strongly that, you know, that's actually like by large numbers, like been kind of discriminatory against that economic classes Absolutely. with regard to how, how experiences and after made. Um, and, with that carries a lot of emotion, specifically for those who are uh, subject to those circumstances. Right. And so I'm really curious because we talk about fandom yeah. a lot here. You know, financial hardship, all these things that they stereotypically carry a, a reluctance to, to share about that. People don't, they feel ashamed, you know, poor credit, things like that. You don't have the same access everybody right. else does. How do you build a passionate fan base around that though? I mean, like if Dave is the solution part of that's got to be, you know, word of mouth and, you know, it could be within those small communities, but ideally you want people shouting to the rafters. How do you build one when it's a topic that people are reluctant to explore vocally? Yeah. I mean, I think, um, it's not just reluctance. I think it's also just, you know, uh, I mean, you're sort of layering on that sort of reluctance, uh, which comes from talking about a product, which shows that you're, you know, from a financial services perspective, potentially not, you know, not thriving, I guess would be the right way of putting it. But on top of that, you know, who talks about, <laughs> who talks about their financial services, like partner anyway, like, do you? Right, exactly. Even the folks that are making a ton, unless they're bragging and right. you know, kind of the deck, they're not going to. Right. about how great your bank is, right? Your primary banking insurance, <laughs> right? It's just not something that, Fair you enough. know, we're naturally intended to talk about. I, I think take a step back, right? So 65% of Americans live paycheck to paycheck. Um, and that's self-defined. They define themselves as living paycheck to paycheck. Um, and then of that, you know, a very significant proportion of them say they are struggling to live paycheck to paycheck. So even 12% of people that earn $100,000 or more actually say that they're struggling to live paycheck to paycheck. So, you know, I think the important thing when you, when you sort of really try and drill into this is, a, there's a lot of people in this situation. Like to your, you know, we, we started off here talking about high income, high net worth. Like there's a lot of people even in that category that are like struggling to, you know, maintain their own sort of personal liquidity through a month, through a, through a, a two week period as they, as they sort of pay bills, pay rent, pay whatever's expected of them. So first off, I think it's, uh, it's important to understand that like there's a lot of people in this situation where they actually have to sort of like figure out how they're going to pay a bill this week, pay a bill next week um, before their paycheck comes in. Um, on the other side of it, I think the important thing to think about is that the existing systems that are set up are, you know, we, we talked about this at the beginning, but you know, if you don't, if you don't have enough money that the banks can effectively like lend your money to, 
to make sort of a return on that money, you're going to be paying for your, your financial services or your banking experience in the form of fees. And the lower down the income spectrum you go, the more that becomes about like fees and interest, because that's the only way that the banks can kind of get the money back that they incur from sort of, you know, providing you services or, or lending you money. And so um, the downside of that is that, to your point, like the lower, you know, the lower income you are, the worse your, your experience is. And so the people that pay the most fees are the ones for whom it is the biggest burden. And it's a, it's a, it's a natural tension and it's a kind of natural kind of imperfection of the system that exists right now. So for us, as we think about you know, to your point around fandom, you know, one of the first things that I did when I got to Dave, you know, we did a big sort of brand study to try and understand, you know, what is it about this brand has led to the growth that we've had? And we've had phenomenal growth with 50, you know, we've given out more than 50 million advances, uh, about 3.7 billion of origination. You know, we've got 6 million uh, total members. And, you know, when you look at just downloads of, of the Dave app, you know, since 2018, since we really sort of scaled up, you know, you've had more downloads on iOS uh, and Google than you have of American Express, of Discover, of a lot of these other credit products. So, so they've done something amazing at, at Dave, that, and I really wanted to sort of dig in to try and understand what it was. And, you know, what we found was that against all of these other brands that we, that we think about, top 10 banks, all the other digital banks, all the other sort of fintechs, Dave actually had like a higher quality score amongst people familiar with the brand than anyone else. Um, and so it really blew me away because I didn't expect to see that coming back. And when you dig into it, it's the root of it is a couple of things, right? When somebody is going through a tough time and pretty much, you know, you turn to Dave when you're going through a tough time, you, you sort of, you know, the way that we bring people into our ecosystem is through this idea of like, hey, we'll lend you up to $250. You can get it the same day. We're not going to, it's free if you don't want to. You know, you, we actually work on a tip basis. So about half of our users tip us, and that's where a, a large portion of our revenue comes from. And so in that situation, you know, we are helping people out at a time when they're when they're struggling with something. And so we found that both that ability to sort of, you know, solve a short-term problem that's pretty significant for somebody, that, that leads to a lot of sort of... Um, to your point, fandom. I think the other side of it is the how we do it and how we like build, how we represent ourselves. So if, if anyone's sort of listening to this wants to go and look, you know, Dave.com, you'll see, you know, from a brand perspective, we're, we're very different to what you would expect from a financial services brand, right? We have, uh, you know, our, our sort of tagline is banking for humans. Um, but kind of ironically, like our persona is this sort of bear, this cuddly teddy bear type um, creature that's in, all across our app. It's the icon for our app. Uh, and, and is in, you know, all of our sort of own media services. And, and what we find when we talk to consumers is like the, the idea of like being confronted with a, a tough financial moment and then having to deal with a sort of like austere financial brand that can come across as kind of judgy, is, it kind of doubles down on that, that sort of pain and that discomfort. So what we do is we completely shift that experience to people and we're a we're literally a cuddly brand we're like a we're a sort of happy friendly face that people can turn to when they when they need that help and it's just a really interesting um uh difference in how you build that relationship you know you you sort of take uh, away the intimidation factor of financial services and you just make it into a partnership into you know being someone's friend being and, and being approachable even to the point that we've personified the brand as a name you know our name is dave 
um, you know, and again, it comes across Dave is like Dave's your friend, Dave's, your, Dave's you know, a brother, an uncle, whatever it is. Um, but we're personifying, we're making it less intimidating. And that just works really, really well in terms of building that relationship with our core user because they're going through, you know, something difficult. Yeah, I couldn't help but notice, and I assumed actually that Dave was the name of the turtlenecked bear. <laughs> That's um, right. Okay, so here we go. But yeah, it's an interesting way to put it a cuddly presence or a friendly yeah. presence, which certainly is um well i would i would not describe that I, that would not be an adjective to describe what i've what i've seen in, in other solutions gosh even over the last 20 30 years right. for this financial class yeah. um, and there's a reason for that right which is that most financial services brands make money most financial services companies make money by convincing you that you don't you you haven't got this you can't do this yourself right, right. you know so even the kind of the investment firms you know, there'll be like, you know, some guy in a suit standing next to you being like, hey, you know, we'll help you out. Like it, but it's all about convincing the, you that you don't, that you can't do this yourself sure. and you need to pay them to do it. Right, exactly. Um, and that's just not the case, is it? I mean, it's not, uh, everybody has the power to do it and um, and they should. And so I'm glad that, you know, right. there are services like Dave there to do it. Now, let me, let me ask you this, because here's another, this is an interesting tidbit of it for me. Um, obviously, you are uh, helping these financial classes, these communities, like grow themselves financially. Mm-hmm. You want to empower them to elevated positions of, you know, maybe not needing that. Uh, I don't know the, the the advance right on the payday. They might graduate from that specific offering. I'm curious how to maintain a fan base, though, and. Yeah. We can assume as a baseline that no finance uh, community is really like shouting to the rafters, except maybe somebody invested in a meme stock right. about what they do. Um, but at the same time, if somebody engages with Dave in the best way possible, given that specific service, yeah. they get beyond the point to which they need Dave. Now, I'm guessing you guys thought about that, yeah. but I'm curious as to how you're maintaining the fan base going forward. Yeah, and I think that's an important sort of way to think about our business model as much as anything else, which is that, you know, Dave is a, a neobank. So, or, a, you know, just a bank, I guess, if you don't want to use the sort of, the, the sort of the technology term. Or yeah, the futuristic the, uh, prefix you know, has got and it. So yeah. that's what, that's what we are. You know, we are a, we're, uh, you know, we offer, you know, we have a debit card. We have, we, we offer sort of cashback rewards on the card. We have, um, you know, you can, um, there's a host of other products that we sort of attach right now and that we will attach in the future to that banking experience. But the way to think about it is that, yeah, like what we are doing is, you know, bringing users into our, our sort of financial services ecosystem, which is a, just a traditional, like, you know, we, we offer, you know, debit products, you know, you can go, you, you can keep your, put your paycheck in, in Dave, you can pay your bills in Dave, you can go spend the money on, on our Dave spend account. You know, but we acquire people by solving their biggest point of need. And then we kind of push them through that ecosystem. We acquire them. You build a relationship with them by helping them in that in that initial sort of time of discomfort, if, if you were, or, or, you know, solving up or creating an opportunity for them. Uh, and then from there, we, you know, our job is to retain them in the day of sort of financial ecosystem. And so, you know, that becomes about, okay, so first off, you take the advance. Second off, we try and encourage you to put it on your Dave Spender card. Then, 
And then, you know, we want you to spend that money and enjoy spending that money. So our big challenge is really like, how do you delight users as they're going through that process and give them something heavily differentiated from what they're doing right now? And again, it comes back to things like, you know, what we offer is, you know, cashback rewards uh, on purchases that are made on the, on the Dave card. Now, for most of the people that are probably listening to this, for you and me, cashback rewards are not particularly, don't sound particularly differentiated. But again, if you're a sort of lower income, lower credit user, you don't have access to the same sort of, or, or often you don't have access to the same financial products that, that sort of, you know, um, that, that sort of higher income, higher credit score uh, users will have. Um, and so, you know, even just giving somebody a free debit card, no maintenance fees, no overdraft fees, um, you know, the ability to get cash back, you know, all of these things are heavily differentiated in that situation in, for this user. And so we, you know, our, our sort of like, you know, fandom experiences bring somebody in through that tip of the spear, you know, uh, value prop, which is solving that biggest point of need for them and then retain them and offer them, you know, the sort of banking experience that you get if you're earning $100,000 a year and have your paycheck going into into a Chase account or into a, you know, into a Bank of America account, offer them that sort of experience for for free. And that's that's effectively how we're winning them over by giving them, you know, premium banking uh, which, which for a lot of people just isn't accessible unless you have a certain amount of money, unless you have a, you meet the threshold of income that's required going into a certain account. Right. And hey, free is the best price out there, right? Yeah, free plus, right? So it's free plus cash, free yeah. plus benefits, free plus, you know, and, you know, and we're constantly looking at how do we solve the problems that exist within the ecosystem and just sort of gradually, you know, build that relationship with you and solve your biggest, your, your point of need. So we start off with that short-term credit. How do we close that gap if you need 250 bucks? Up to two hundred fifty bucks in a in a situation, and then the next part of it is, you know, we you know we offer you the, the spend account, cash back rewards. We also have, you know, a, a side hustle um, feature where you can go and look for you know Uber or or, or you know, DoorDash or you know jobs like that that are available in your area. So you can go from okay, how do I close this liquidity gap that I've created that exists for me to how do I actually make sure that doesn't happen again by helping to build up my emergency fund, helping to build up sort of what I've got. So again, it's like, how do we solve all these problems for people, build that relationship with them and then graduate them through the financial ecosystem? Now that's interesting. Having a whole side of the offering, which allows people to quickly and easily, if they need to right. find those sort of stopgap things, which, um, you know, it, it are often all that folks need, you just need a little bit, right? That's the whole point. And right. to be able to provide that quickly and in the same space, yeah, that's definitely a value add. It makes me wonder, actually, two things. A, why more, or maybe people do that, I just don't see it, or maybe they don't. Hopefully for you guys, they don't, and you guys <laughs> right. are first. Um, but then secondly, more broadly speaking, and to that other yeah. F word, the future that we talk about here, uh, I'm, I'm curious what you think, you know, in the, let's just take these app-based services, or maybe the world of FinTech, yeah. um, Looking a couple of years down the line, obviously you've been with Dave now for a couple of years and the, the the offering has grown. What do you see for like a best in class community building like portfolio of things uh, that that an app might do to to build its community? What other elements of their economic life do you think would be included in that? If you could get everything you wanted, yeah. because somebody in the future will, what would it be? Well, I think that. Um, you know, what we are, you know, we're growing with our users. So again, we're three or four years old and, you know, by our estimate is about 100 and 
60, 170 million people in America that are either in what we call the like financially vulnerable or the financially coping space. And, you know, the, that means that, you know, anyone in that group is going to be overdrafting um, several times a year, maybe up to 20, 30 times a year, depending on whether that's sort of like, you know, where they fit within that spectrum. And, you know, they building credit um, and looking for access to sort of short and long-term credit to get them through their financial sort of uh, needs. And so, you know, for us, it's, you know, again, we, we solve that biggest pain point for the biggest set of users. We do it in a friendly and approachable way, memorable way. And then what we try and do from there is, is grow with them. So we're, we're trying to solve the problems that that user has as they grow. Like a lot of our users are in that sort of, the majority of our users are in that sort of, you know, Gen Z millennial group. Uh, they're young, they're under 30. And so, you know, they are almost kind of growing their relationship with Dave as, as, as they kind of um, hit the sort of needs that they have within their financial services journey, uh, you know, for the first time. So, you know, we close that gap in terms of short-term credit. You know, once you kind of have come to Dave, we help you get, you know, we, you know, pay the bills, keep the lights on, get groceries, you know, maybe make a car payment, maybe, you know, go up market from that. Like, you know, m- maybe it's about, paying for a trip, something like that, that we're trying to help you do. So what we do is we close that liquidity gap for you. And then from there, we help you make progress. And I think that's the right way of thinking about it, right? Is that generally people fall into these different categories. They start out with, you know, I'm, I'm kind of living paycheck to paycheck and I'm not coping with it, right? I'm not actually being able to like take my income and spread it across all of my outgoings. So we solve that problem first. Once that problem has kind of been at least solved or, or temporarily alleviated, then it's about, okay, how do I, you know, uh, keep my head above water? And so that's about building a cushion. That's about, you know, once you've stopped kind of having to worry about, do I have enough money to pay the bills? Then it's about, okay, how do I start building a cushion and how do I start making progress? So for us, that's about things like side hustle, where we're really showing people, you know, the opportunities that are out there to earn a little bit more money um, if you need to sort of start building that cushion, as well as things like, um, you know, building your credit. So we have credit building options on the site because we know that's going to be a big part of, of this moving forwards is that people maybe want to uh, start, you know, building an emergency fund. But, you know, everyone basically has the same or, you know, has, has a similar set of needs where it sort of goes from, you know, stopping the bleeding to then making progress and, you know, do you want to you know, buy a car, get a house? That's the journey that everyone wants to go on. And so for us, it's about following that journey. So right now we're in that kind of vulnerable coping space where we're solving the short-term problem and we're moving up and we're starting to help people get ahead, start getting, you know, into the point where they're making progress. And then from there, it's going to be about, you know, how do we help them once they've got past, they've built the emergency fund, then they've maybe built, you know, they've they've saved for a down payment on, you know, something that they want to get. And so then it becomes about that piece. It's about how do you get somebody access to the credit they need to make progress even further or or change their lifestyle. And then from there, you know, after that, it's obviously about investing. It's about, um, you know, building out those pieces. But for us, for our user base primarily right now, we're we're focusing on solving the short-term problem of of how do I have enough liquidity and then moving on to that next step, which is like, how do I just build that, that cushion, that emergency fund? And how do I make sure that if I want to borrow money, um, that I can help improve my credit to make that available to me and affordable to me? But, you know, we certainly see in the future, you know, buy a home with Dave, something like that being uh, being something that we can do as we grow with these users. 
Wouldn't that be a cool one-stop shop? Well, for explaining uh, and speculating on the long term, uh, in the short term, right here with me on the mic, uh, Michael, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. It's worth noting that Dave's got a hold of something pretty amazing, most recently marked by a $100 million investment at the hands of FTX. Thanks again to Michael Goodbody for joining us. And thanks to you, the listener, for exploring the future of fandom with us. I'd encourage you to stay connected. So subscribe to the future of fandom wherever you listen to your podcast. And you can also find all of our content at livelike.com slash podcast and on socials like LinkedIn at LiveLike and Twitter at LiveLike Inc. I look forward to predicting the future again with you real soon. And until then, I'm Adam Connor saying so long and thanks for being a fan. <laughs>